Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter podcast. This is Tony Jones, the Reverend Hunter, joined as always by the Mrs. Claus to my Santa, Brandon. <laughs> that might be one of my favorite ones yet. Season's greetings. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? You've been under the weather a little bit. The, the winter is hitting you hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not normally one to get sick, so I'm one of those ignorant people and didn't get a flu shot this year. So uh, uh, I think I'm paying the price for that. Yeah, I got my flu shot the same day I got my Vax booster. We had a funny little deal where uh, last weekend we had a big family dinner planned. And um, because I have a, a family member who is immunocompromised, we are getting tested before all the big gatherings this holiday season. And Courtney tested positive for COVID twice in the same like a rapid test box, you know, from CVS. So canceled the dinner party and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. She went to the airport to get the saliva test and took it. And then the next day got her COVID negative results, which is more accurate than the, the rapid home test. So, you know. Yeah, I'm actually going to be going in uh, getting a saliva test tomorrow just to make sure because I have to work with some people with the, the same conditions where they're immunocompromised. Yeah. Yeah. Want to be safe. Yeah, good. Good for you. Well, I, I I hope it comes back negative. But man, I mean, I I just saw something on Twitter today where some, you know, health expert says, COVID, you know, Omicron is coming for us all. So if you're boosted, you're, you know, very likely going to be fine. So that's that's good news. But it seems yeah. to be the new, re- like the flu, you know, it's like getting the flu. Um, exactly. And it's that weird time of year where it's the flu, it's a cold, it could be whatever. The symptoms yeah. just kind of overlap. So. That's right. It's a fun That's process. Right. Well, Brandon, you know, um, this show most weeks focuses more on the hunter than the reverend of the Reverend Hunter. I mean, we do try to cover the spiritual uh, and transcendent kind of existential themes in out the outdoors life. Uh, but today we're leaning hard into the reverend. And what I have for listeners today is just a little Christmas uh, special. You know, as I've discussed on the show this fall, I have been an interim pastor part-time at a church uh, here in Minnesota, and primarily I've been teaching and preaching, been preaching every other week, and I preached uh, on the fourth Sunday of Advent about the um, the theme of peace. And I, if anybody wants to read it, I, I read uh, the, the text was Psalm 46. But you'll hear some reference to that references to that psalm. It's a psalm about God's power and kind of God bringing peace to the world. And um, so I preach this sermon, and I hope people like it. It's also you'll hear some singing during the sermon. That is my dear friend Ben Johnson. I've known Ben for many many years. He was the lead singer of the band at Solomon's Porch, which is the church uh, I attended and was a part of for many years. He, um, he's also an, an opera singer and he's in a production here in the twin cities called all is calm at the Ritz theater put on by theater latte da. And, uh, it's just an incredible show and you'll know what it's about when you hear my sermon. So you'll hear it here coming up. I just want to thank everybody for listening this year. I pray that you have a safe and healthy and really wonderful, uh, 
holiday season with your family, you know, gathering at parties, big and small, that you get to do some special things in spite of the kind of uh, intense circumstances under which we all live. And I hope that this this little sermon here brings you a little bit of, uh, I don't know, Christmas Christmas comfort. And Brandon, man, I hope you feel better and that you bounce back and you have an awesome Christmas and New Year's and whatever you celebrate during these weeks. Well, same to you, Tony. It's been an absolute pleasure over the past, what, year and a half, almost two years getting to know you. And yeah, I mean, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family. I hope everybody has a joyous season this year and we get over whatever it is that we're (laughs) dealing with. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. All right. Thanks, buddy. Take care. And to everybody out there, thanks for your support. Remember, subscribe, rate, review, share with a friend, especially if you like this special Christmas sermon titled Saying Yes to Peace. By the end of August 1914, the German army had advanced deep into France, inflicting over a quarter million casualties on the French army alone. By December of that year, the Germans were dug in along a line that ran from the English Channel to the Swiss border. Across from them, sometimes less than 100 feet away, were the Allied forces of French, British, Scottish, and Irish soldiers themselves dug in. 440 miles of trenches, barbed wire, machine gun positions, and heavy artillery made up the Western Front of the Great War. Between the opposing trenches was no man's land, littered with the bodies of the slain. The issues that had precipitated the war were lost on most of its combatants. The assassination of an Austrian duke, anti-Serb riots in Sarajevo, increased tensions between Germany and Russia. To the average 18-year-old Brit, these conflicts seemed a million miles away. Nevertheless, when German forces invaded France and pushed west, off to war the Brits went. Well, you go to Flanders, my Sugar candy. Well, you go to Flanders, my Mario. By December. The war on the Western Front was a virtual stalemate. Both sides were entrenched and neither could break the other's lines. A cold, wet rain fell for days, turning the trenches into cesspools that froze at night and melted into knee-deep muck during the day. 
Men on both sides slept standing up, leaning against walls of decomposing sandbags. Otto Dix, a German soldier, described it thusly, lice, rats, barbed wire, fleas, shells, bombs, underground caves, corpses, blood, liquor, mice, cats, artillery, filth, bullets, mortar, fire, steel. That's what war is. It is the work of the devil. Christmas approached. On December 7, Pope Benedict XV requested a Christmas truce saying, in the name of the divinity, I beseech thee to cease the clang of arms while Christendom celebrates the feast of the world's redemption. To which British Brigadier General G.T. Walker countered, friendly intercourse with the enemy, unofficial armistices and exchanges of tobacco and other comforts, however tempting and occasionally amusing they may be, are absolutely prohibited. On either side of the front, Christmas items began arriving to the trenches, cigarettes, tea, chocolate, small Christmas trees. The Germans put candles on their trees and set them atop the bulwarks. Brits filled gunny sacks with cigarettes and tea and flung them across no man's land, little gifts preceding the holy day. Journalists later said that they dared not report on these small acts of peace lest the army's commanders catch wind and crack down. Christmas Eve dawned, and the fighting continued as it always did. But as the day progressed up and down the Western Front, the rat-tat-tat of rifles and the ground-shaking booms of artillery slowly ceased, giving way to a silence that the men had not heard in months. 26-year-old British Lieutenant Charles Bruce Bairn's father felt a sense of strangeness in the air. The lack of shooting as the sun set on Christmas Eve led him to write in his diary, it was just the sort of day for peace to be declared. I came out of my dugout and sloshed along the trench to a dry lump, stood on it, and gazed at the scene around, the stillness, the stars, and now the dark blue sky. From where I so stood, I could see our long lines of zigzagging trenches and those of the Germans as well. Songs began to float up from various parts of our line. The first Noel the angels did sing was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. At 
At one point on the front, a German soldier tied a white napkin to the barrel of his rifle and stuck it up in the air. Then, to the horror of his comrades, he stuck his head up above the rim of the trench. Slowly, he climbed out and walked into no man's land. A British soldier followed suit, and they met in the middle. Other men followed. They shook hands, exchanged gifts, and made agreements that there would be no more shooting until each side had buried their dead. At another spot on the front, Germans held up a crudely painted sign in broken English, You no fight, we no fight. The Brits replied with a sign that read, Merry Christmas. They too met in no man's land, where each side took turns singing carols. Renowned opera tenor Walter Kirchhoff visited the front lines with the German crown prince. He later wrote that in the distance he heard gunfire and mortar blasts, but in the trenches, every dugout had a Christmas tree, and there was no shooting. The prince feared going too close to the front line, so Kirchhoff ventured forward alone. He handed out gifts to the men and sang a song, and when he stopped, the opposing French forces climbed to the tops of their dugouts across no man's land, applauded and demanded an encore. So he sang another. Es ist ein Rosensprungen aus einer Wurzelzeit. Wie uns die Alten sungen von Jeser die Art. Und hat ein Blümlein bracht mitten im kalten Winter vor zu dir halben Nacht. There is something about that night, something that brings the prophecy of the psalmist to fulfillment, that the Lord makes wars to cease, that he breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the shields with fire. The tools of war are ineffectual in the presence of the loving God. Those men in 1914 knew it. In their guts and souls, they knew that to fight on Christmas Eve would be an offense to the Prince of Peace, to the one of whom Paul writes, he himself is our peace. In the first recorded Christmas sermon in the year 386, John Chrysostom preached, Bethlehem this day resembles heaven. A very earthly place, Bethlehem, full of grit and dirt, Mess and filth, the stench of livestock in a barn, a city bursting with tourists and a people who were oppressed by an invading imperial army. Not a very peaceful place. Yet, 
The sense we get when we read the gospel according to Luke or imagine the nativity scene in our mind's eye or pass an illuminated crash on the side of the road is peace. Because on that night, that very earthly place rife with conflict and strife did indeed for a few hours resemble God's everlasting kingdom of peace. A British correspondent covering the Great War reported that at midnight on Christmas Eve, he heard a village church bell ringing in the distance, followed by a clear and beautiful tenor voice singing, have our enemies, don't we? The question for each of us is whether we are courageous enough to climb out of the trenches we have dug and venture into no man's land with outstretched hand and open spirit. In the stillness of the silent night, with whom do you need to make peace? A family member? A colleague, a former spouse, or friend? To whom do you need to offer a white flag? Who needs to see you holding up a sign that reads, I know fight, you know fight. You know who it is for you, I know who it is for me. The Prince of Peace is calling for a Christmas truce. Listen, listen to his call. Albert Moran of the 2nd Queens Regiment listened. And years later, he remembered, it was a beautiful moonlit night, frost on the ground, white almost everywhere. 
There was a lot of commotion in the German trenches and many lights. And then they sang, Silent Night, Stille Nacht. I shall never forget it. It was one of the highlights of my life. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, alles schläft einsam wacht, nur das Holy infant, so tender. 